It's an opportunity attack. Welcome to another opportunity attack with the Grognards. Uh, sitting with me today is Greg. Eric is out, but our target of this attack of opportunity is none other than Matt John, who is a fellow podcaster and gamer, and also the admin for the Conan Gaming Group on Facebook. Welcome, Matt. How's it going? It's going very well. Uh, it's a little early for us, but not so early for you because of where you live and where we are, the whole time differential, the space-time continuum. But uh, I've had my cup of coffee, so I'm ready to go with this. Well, that's all you need. I'm up here in the uh, frozen north on the east coast of Canada. Yeah. Uh, it's particularly cold snap. I've had my coffee. I've had my breakfast. I'm well, good to go. All right. All right. So, Matt, tell us a little bit about yourself. I, as I said in our my introduction, you're a fellow podcaster. You're the uh, one of three much like the Grognards, one of three from the podcast Rogues in the House. Can you tell us a little bit about Rogues in the House? That's right. Rogues in the House, uh, obviously it takes its name from a particular story featuring a particular barbarian, probably the most famous barbarian of all. Ooh, and the one we uh, know and love. Yeah, everyone uh, everyone knows and loves Conan, yes. except for those who don't, of course. <laughs> we, but we don't we don't care about them, just like Crom. Crom does not care. That's right. That is right. Uh, so so the Rogues in the House podcast, we kind of started it on a whim. Um, I met a couple of guys online uh, through the Conan Gaming Group on Facebook that I've been running for many years, mm -hmm. and we started playing Conan Exiles together on PlayStation. And then you know we had good gab on the microphone, so. Uh, like on the headsets and we're like, you know what, why don't we try that? That's a great idea. And then the idea was to do something, um, with sword and sorcery, but less, less specifically focused on the, the literary angle. Um, our friends in the Chromecast do an excellent job of that. So if you're not listening to the Chromecast, definitely check them out for a deep dive into, uh, sort of the literature surrounding Robert E. Howard. Mm -hmm. uh, I have listened. It's quite good. And others. Yeah. Yeah, great podcast. So we definitely wanted to do something different. And uh, so we focused ours on pop culture, sword and sorcery in pop culture, which really just means gaming, uh, movies, you know, anything that, that branches out from it. Comic books? And, and it's not to say we, we don't do any literature at all. Uh, an episode coming up, we're looking at Fritz Leiber's um, Fafford and the Grey Mouser stories. So I cannot wait for that. Keep an ear out. I'm a huge yeah. fan of the Grey Mouser and Fafford, and so I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, I know Eric's really big into that, too. Yeah. I'd also like to think that maybe you're going to touch base sometime with uh, Elric? Yes. Yes, actually. Um, we brought that up the last episode we had. Are you familiar with DM Scotty? Yes. Yeah, so he does, like, the DM's craft. Um, we had him on our most recent episode, and he brought up that Elric was probably his favorite sword and sorcery hero. Um, I think so I we, we, we gave the guarantee that we're going to go there. Um, yeah, Elric's awesome. So we're going to that's coming up probably sometime this year, actually. Good deal. Good deal. I can't wait for that one. So um, you're also the admin for the Conan Gaming Group, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, too. But uh, I do believe that you're the community manager for Monolith Games. Is that correct? And Monolith is the uh, producer of the Conan board game, which I have. And I absolutely love that game. I try to bring it to every convention that I go to, or at least try to find a game that's being played. So, uh, what in what capacity is uh, what do you do as a community manager? Uh, I am the community manager. We, you know, a lot of members of the team help out with that as well. 
Um, I do it as a it's a part time gig for me, um, but I've been I've been working steadily with them for the last couple of years. It generally I'm the guy on Kickstarter uh, handling the comments there, other behind the scenes things. I do some of the text writing as well. So uh, actually, as soon as I'm done here, I got to get back to writing Batman text bios for the characters. Um, Very cool. Yeah, the scenario introductions. Um, I did a few things on Conan here or there. I was kind of coming in toward the end of Conan. Mm-hmm. And I, I wrote an in, the intro for uh, the campaign book. But other things I do, I work with the community as well. So we actually, I recruited a couple of members. Um, and honestly, they did most of the heavy, the heavy lifting on it. Um, we did a community campaign called Whispers from Stygia, which uses... In fact, only elements that you could have gotten uh, via retail for the Conan board game. So it's like a six-scenario piece, and it's free online as a PDF. You can get it on uh, the overlord.net, which is Monolith's dedicated community site. So if you're not on there, um, I'm trying to boost membership. Like, the French site's really happening, but I'm trying to get a lot more going with the community there, and I intend to do more. And in fact, we're working on another something for Conan right now. Awesome, awesome. Cool. Um, the uh, Overlord site, again, I've been on that, and I agree. It's it's quite yeah. nice, especially if you're a gamer with the Conan board game and you want some scenarios that aren't uh, in the source book or yeah. in the book that came with the Kickstarter or the retail edition. It's really nice. I've downloaded far too many of the games and not had a chance to play them all yet. But yeah, such is, such is the plight of all gamers, right? <laughs> not enough time. Oh, yeah. So you mentioned the Batman. Uh, that is that a done and completed and ready to be shipped game yet? Uh, yes, yes, it is. Uh, that should be. We just did a release schedule. It's somewhat complicated. Well, not really. It's it's some of it's shipping at the end of March to hubs, and then the rest is going to be rolling out through April. Um, the short the short version is that it's on schedule as we anticipated. So. That will be uh, shipping out mostly in April. Now, the Batman game is... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry. No, it's just... Yeah, it's exciting. That's been a very long road with that. Um, And in fact, my piece is is done. I mean, the the first version is all done. Um, And I'm actually starting for some of the stuff on the Season 2 or the Version 2 Kickstarter, which will be coming up when uh, after that one ships to everybody. So is the Batman game essentially, not essentially, it's different, of course, than the Conan game, but does it use some of the same mechanics? It's it's the same engine with, I would say, a little different skin. Um, a couple polishes came in and a couple of changes um, occurred to make it feel more Batman, like, of course, the skills and things like that. Um, we implemented a few things on the maps to make them more reader friendly to tell where the elevations are and who can hit, uh, you know, who can hit who. Mm-hmm. You know, I uh, guess maybe we should explain a little bit about the uh, the Conan game and the Batman game, the mechanics that we're talking about. Maybe you might be the best person to do that, to explain just how that game works, because it's not your typical, the PvP, you know, two versus yeah. two or one versus one. Explain a little bit about the mechanics of the Conan game and, I guess, in, in the same turn, the Batman game. Yeah, and, um, so... It is a, I guess you could call it a sort of resource management game in that it's all about managing your your stamina or your gems or in Batman, your energy cubes. Um, you have so many and then you have to kind of decide and plan ahead 
as to whether you're going to defend yourself, whether you're going to attack, whether you're going to move, whether you're going to secure objectives. So it's thinky in that way, but it's not a lot of like analysis paralysis. I find the game moves fairly quickly. And um, I mean, especially for Conan, it gets that sense of like blood and thunder and quick violence. Um, it's not a slog, I, I don't find. Um, so it's always scenario based and it's an asymmetrical system. Uh, with an asterisk. I'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> but one player plays the villain uh, or the overlord, and then the other players control the heroes or, well, I guess they're heroes in Conan too, though I take some issue with our sword and sorcery characters being called heroes. Uh, yeah. Uh, but it's a little fuzzy. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so it's, it's one player versus many, or sometimes it's one-on-one depending on the scenario. And in fact, any of the scenarios can be played one-on-one with uh, one player playing several heroes. Um, so essentially you have an objective to reach. You have your stamina gems to do it. Uh, it's a bit of a dice chucker. There's all the modifiers based on equipment. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's that's the general overview. I would say that it's, it's always quite tense. Um, and unless someone makes terrible decisions, uh, it usually comes down to the last turn or, you know, the, when I was writing and testing scenarios for it, I always made sure it, it really did come down to that last turn, and usually it was down to a last final ditch effort of, of chucking dice or or what have you. And I would agree. The experience that I've had playing the game, it does seem to come down to the last one or two turns of either the Overlord or the Heroes, um, and we're using Heroes in air quotes there. The Overlord right. mechanic is really kind of interesting because you have kind of a, a river of tiles that right. the Overlord uses to manipulate his forces so to speak you know uh, they might be a major character like you know a magician or uh, a big boss but then he's got all of his minions and such and it costs the overlord gems in order to activate and use those and they either get cheaper or more expensive depending on how and when you use them and if you've not played this game you should give it a chance uh, at least watch a video of how it's done everybody who I've introduced yeah. it to they love that mechanic. They just love the fact that you can respond to the actions of your opponent almost as soon as they've made that action. Nice. Yeah, I, I've, I've never had somebody play the game and go, meh. Like, everyone's usually very excited. <laughs> and But and I, I do hear online a lot, too, of, like, I think players get in the mindset of, well, I don't want to be the overlord, and I don't want to be the DM or the GM or whatever. Um and everyone's scrambling for co-op experiences now, and I feel like we're all wimping out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. No, well, not not. I don't truly mean that. I just I feel like you, if you're playing Conan and you can play the Overlord, play the Overlord or or Batman and play the villain because it's awesome. It's a different it's a different type of strategy, and and I think the mistake a lot of people make in thinking that it's the difficult one to play is that. It's just a different kind of planning. You can't go all out and dump a ton of gems into one ditch move because your guys aren't powerful in the same way as, as the heroes are. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting mechanic, and I did run it at a convention uh, recently back in January, and one of the players, as soon as we were done with the first game, immediately jumped up and said, I want to do the Overlord. I have to yeah. do the Overlord. So I gave it over to him, and he yeah. picked it up so quickly Um because it's kind of the same as if you're playing the heroes too. It's just a little bit different in your resource management. 
Yeah, and I think you you have to plan ahead more as the overlord as well. Like you have to look at that river and know how much um, those those activations are going to cost. Um, so it's it's perhaps a little more a little more cerebral. Um, and before I forget the asterisk to my comment, okay. um, with Batman, we have a different we we brought in a different game mode. So Fred Henry is the guy who designed the game, uh, and he worked on the the versus mode for quite some time. And so what we've got now is we have built more of a skirmish mode with the game where each player has a, uh, a, a villain dashboard or a book of Skelos, depending which game. Uh, and you are then going to go one versus one. So you each have that. You draft your teams based on like the type. So you've got like your, your general unit, uh, sorry, or like your lieutenant. And then you have your minions and essentially build them that way. And then you play one of, uh, I can't remember if it's six or eight different scenarios for that. Um, yeah, so so that's kind of an evolution of the system in that way, um, which is rather cool, uh, where both are facing off as an overlord type unit. It was oh. a lot of fun when I played it. Uh, and I will say... I spoke about that as if it was existing for both games, and it only currently exists for Batman. Um, but, but that is not to say, it's, 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 yeah, it's not to say it will not exist for Conan in the future. Okay, so maybe there's something coming for those fans of the uh, the Conan board game, the Monolith version. Maybe uh, there is. Maybe there is. Um, you also did something that kind of I found both Greg and I found interesting. You did a crossover. And it's going to kind of segue into our questions about uh, the Conan RPG. You did a crossover for yeah. the Mo- uh, Modifius Conan RPG and the Monolith Conan board game. Is that correct? Yeah. So bit of a story for that one. So back in 2015, I think I got my dates right, um, the Conan Monolith board game bit, uh, that was that was f- finishing or it had finished. Um, and it was going into, you know, production. So the Kickstarter was over. It was a huge success. And at the time it was like a record breaker. Um, so Conan and games were pretty hot at the moment. And a year or two previous to that, I had started the, um, the Conan gaming group, which was at the time called Conan RPG players. And so I was sitting at ground zero of these awesome Conan games and this renaissance of like, um, Conan tabletop games. And so I got in touch with the people at Monolith because they were like, hey, look at this. There's a good platform for us to, uh, you know, show our game off. And I was all too happy because I was super excited about it. Um, And so I was in contact with them and they'd sent me a prototype um, to design a scenario, like a fan scenario. So we would have more when the game launched, right, to get the fan initiative started. Mm -hmm. So that was from Monolith. Now, Modifius, uh, months later... They debuted their Kickstarter, and they announced that they were they were working. They wanted to do a crossover book, so they did. Uh, they did. They've got another crossover book coming with like Conan Exiles and Age of Conan as well. Um, and I basically advocated for myself. I was like, you know what, guys, if because uh, they had they had been talking to some other people about getting that book off the ground, and then one thing led to another. I said I had the prototype. Um, and I guess they took that to mean, hey, this is the guy. And then I ended up being lead writer on the book. So I actually worked freelance for Modifius before I worked for Monolith. 
And then during that time, I started writing that book. The guys at Monolith got a hold, you know, got in touch with me about becoming like the community manager and working with them. And so I went to Paris at uh, the beginning of that summer and then started working for them. So long story, as I say. <laughs> it's kind of double dipping almost, but uh, <laughs> yeah. for you. Oh, hey, Greg's here. Sorry. Hi, Greg. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> I'm sucking up all the oxygen here. That's um, all right. No, that's what the purpose of the uh, opportunity attack is. No, we're here to listen to you. To talk to you. Yes, exactly. So now that's the Conan source book. And so you would, in order to play that, am I correct? You've got to have, of course, the Conan board game and the Conan RPG, which are from two different companies. Right. To play all of it, you would. Um, and I kind of just talked about my backstory with it and didn't really get into what the book is. So I'll, I'll do that. Um, you've got so this book requires a couple of things. Um, I mean, it really as a source book and an add on for the Kickstarter. It's sort of niche in that, you know, it's not going to be useful for everyone. So if you have the Conan board game King Pledge. Which that's really what you're. That's really what you require to play um, most of the board game content. In addition, there are two tile sets that Modifius produced. Well, there's four actually. Two that you require. It's 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 Pits of Horror. <sighs> they, they have they both have like two titles. So it's like this and this, and then there's and this and this. So one of them is Perilous Ruins and Forgotten Temples or something, and the other one is something something Pits of Horror. Yeah. So it's terrible that I don't know that, but it's like a, I've got a I've got a malfunction in my brain that is not allowing me to remember it. You're in good company. Sorry. Anywhere you see the book advertised, I will tell you those two tile packs. Okay. So we the book requires those as well. So that's if you just want to use the board game stuff. If you want to play the RPG as well, and the way I've set it up is, you can play through a board game campaign, and then if you want to play the sequel uh, to the story, you would then pick up the RPG and play it. So hmm. you would just need the core book from Robert E. Howard's Conan from Modiphius. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, now, how does that, uh, how does the Conan RPG mechanically differ from D&D? Say 5e. Well, that is, yeah, that's a, that's a question. So <laughs> I like to ask the hard ones. <laughs> we are, we are longtime D&D players. We've been playing D&D since it was not AD&D. We just downloaded the quick start rules to the Conan RPG, yep. which we've not had a chance to read yet because it just we just got them yesterday. So tell us a little bit how the whole Conan 2D20 RPG differs from what a D&D player might know. Sure. Um, I mean, I, I started with D&D as well. I started at Advanced, and that would have been when I was in like upper elementary or junior high. So I go back quite a ways, too. Good. You're um, a grognard, too. I'm still... Uh -oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I go back, um, and I play I play fifth edition from time to time too, which we, we won't get into right now. But I do quite like it. Um, so I would say the big difference is most of Conan two D twenty your actions, things that you do, are determined by um, skill tests. So you do skill tests. You those end up being you're looking to roll under a target number. And that value is determined by like your relevant attribute, so your you know your strength, what have you, uh, plus your expertise in that particular skill. So it's <laughs> the most jarring bit if you play D and D and you play Conan two D twenty is going to be the fact that you're trying to roll low yeah. on that D twenty. 
you roll a 20, it sucks. It means you've got a complication. And then the GM can sort of has this uh, thing in their pocket that they can throw at you. Um, I have a lot which of dice. That it's kind of up to them. There's, yeah, sorry, go sorry. ahead. No, sorry. Um, yeah, I have a lot of dice that we prefer for that because most of my dice roll low all the time. <laughs> yeah, you would love this game. <laughs> of course, I, I, I bet as soon as you start playing it, you're going to start rolling 20s like nothing. Yeah. Like it's nothing. <laughs> so uh, so a lot of it is, is skill. You basically do skill tests to determine things. It's overall more of a um, cinematic experience. Interesting. Um, you, you have like combat scenes. It's not about chipping away hit points so much. Is that a mechanic in the game, or is that more reliant on the GM to make that whole yes, cinematic so thing? A lot of it is you've got these two different pools, right? Mm-hmm. And based on the roles that you make and how well you're achieving these target numbers, you will gain um, something called momentum if you're the if you're the, uh, the the players rather than the GMs. And this goes into a pool that you can then use to do other things better. Like you can spend them to make defenses or, or what have you. Um, and a lot of it ends okay. up being like players have a bit more agency in the story that way. So they can, um, make certain suggestions for things happening. And then on the other side of it, the GM has the doom pool and then they can use that to kind of screw you over. Like <laughs> by default, I think, I think I have this right in combat. Um, the the players go first but if the gm spends a doom point they're going to say no my my minions my my evil guys go first so it is a bit of a um what do you call it like a a meta gaming bit Mm -hmm. um, which some people tend to dislike but for me i I think all gaming is meta anyways uh i I would argue in that sense i think that's true they're every game you know, you've got to have a bit of the meta in it. Depends on how much you manage your meta, right? Uh, and how much yeah. the players are all in. It, it kind of sounds like this is maybe a That's, little, little more cinematic and a little less crunchy. Well, n- no, no. <laughs> it, it is, it is more cinematic. Like it, yeah. it has that aspect, but I would say it's a mid to high crunch oh, mid to game. High crunch. Okay. Yeah, but there's there's versions of two D twenty that are lower crunch. Like the John Carter game is a lighter version. Um, and you could take Conan and trim some of the crunch too, as, as you would like. I think that certain gaming groups, like, like I have a, I have a group of like five regular players when we play games and with something like 2d 20, four of those five players would be great with this and they would love it. But I have one guy that I know it would be a huge issue because not everything is necessarily like there's a bit of abstraction. Like for example, with the moving you don't move by inches or squares or, you know, whether you're using miniatures or not, you have zones, which are more of an abstraction of mm-hmm. where things are. So if you're within the same zone as somebody, you can attack them. Mm-hmm. If you're a zone away from somebody, you can move and then attack them. Well, and like in D&D, you have your different actions like your uh, shoot. I can't remember if I'm calling them correctly. There's like a simple action and there's like your your standard action. Your simple action is like or free, simple and then standard, right? Wow, I'm blanking too. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, this was not the day for yeah. our brains to be firing uh, and on well, all, I mean, all synapses. Well, I mean, we play so many of these games, and they it's have these bonus, the a- similar, bonus action. Is uh, what we're thinking of mechanics that 
yeah, I'm in my 30s and I'm definitely starting to forget the specific names for which one goes to which system. Well, so, you hit 50. You know. That is exactly right. We play so many different games that so many things are confused. And we just did a, a podcast recording yesterday where we talked about old school versus new school and how right. it's not a difference for us that, you know, oh, we play new school or oh, we play old school. We play a progression of the game and have added all elements from all the different editions into our fifth edition style of playing. And so you are allowed to not be able to remember what the hell you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, The thing I really want to drive home about the 2D20 game is I, I, first of all, I do, I love the overall feel. Like it it, it has a very pulp sword and sorcery Hmm. feel to it. And there's all kinds of, I mean, that's the thing. There's it is a thick book, and there are tons of supplements, right? Um, and the people involved are really have Robert E. Howard. You know, they've got a lot of love for the author. Nice. Um, and it's such a deep dive into Howard in general. Like the one book, you, you know, you're going to have little appearances from like Sailor Steve Costigan comes up in like a sidebar, mm. right? For certain things, um, and the way the book is kind of written has that overall Howard universe uh, involved. So I would say even if you were not a gamer, that core book is worth buying regardless because they've got, you know, you've got Jeff Shanks and Patrice Luinette, um consulted on it. Uh, Jeff Shanks, who's a, you know, he's a Howard scholar. He was the sort of art director. So he, he had the awesome job of basically cherry picking all these classic Conan artists and bringing them into the game. Nice. So it I is mean, a beautiful a book. lot of love. I've, and a, I've looked at it. It's a beautiful yeah, book. It is. And it's it's pure fidelity. Like they brought it as close to Howard as they could. And I will say this. The map that they've created for this game is the essential definitive Howard map nice. uh, of, the, of the Hyborian Age. So get that and use that if you're if you're ever referencing things. That's a nice segue into uh, something I kind of wanted to ask about. And this is about Conan in general. The literary character Conan was written in the 1930s um, by a man who lived in a very small town in West Texas. Matter of fact, I'm going to his home in June for Howard Days. Uh, Yeah, Cross Plains. Cross Plains, Texas. And Conan has managed to, as a literary character, kind of stay at the forefront of people's minds and I wanted to talk a little bit about what makes sword and sorcery sword and sorcery as opposed to high fantasy uh, the high fantasy yeah and uh, is it Conan that has established that for us or you know what's, what's your take on that well whoo I got a lot of takes on that <laughs> yeah I know I know but if you can kind of you know can yeah no no it's a, in it's a condensed a version <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, it's something that I'm sort of preaching on, like, the Rogues in the House uh, podcast as well. Like, our first episode, we sort of broke this whole idea down. Um, So it's kind of – it matters to me because I don't want to see everything diverge from this sort of, you know, potentially lower magic, gritty, about the individual, less about the high stakes sort of fantasy. Like, I'm – honestly, my eyes glaze over when it's – becomes we must do the quest for the kingdom and save everybody like i'm <laughs> my mar- my mind is too dark for that like i, I, I those stories are great yeah. for when you're for when 
younger, but the world is a, is a bit of a darker place. And I'm not, I'm not a brooding, uh, individual, but I prefer darker storytelling. And I think sword and sorcery tends to offer that. So I, I think the main ingredient has to be the weird. If, if the weird isn't there at all, for me, it's not sword and sorcery and the horror element usually tips in somewhere. It doesn't mean every story has to have it, but the world setting for me, there has to be a bit of that, that madness and that horror, that Lovecraftian piece. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you get into an adjacent sort of genre, like heroic fantasy, which has similar ingredients. And then there's things like grimdark, which is also a, a further slide down into the muck, which you... I, is, is not sword and sorcery, but again, it's that sort of spin off an adjacent piece. So in short, I would say it has to be more about the characters and their story and their motivations. They do not have to be good people necessarily. Um, if they're heroes, it's probably self-serving though. Again, not necessarily. Um, even something like Elric, I think borders on that epic fantasy bit, but really you think about him, he is, he's a dark character and some mm -hmm. terrible things have happened to him. Totally. And he's a drug addict <laughs> and he, he needs to eat souls to live. Right. I had to, so I read the Elric stories when I was much younger and that was the whole drug addict thing was really hard for me to embrace because I kind of wanted it to be the Conan certainly did not, you know, need anything to enhance his strength or his abilities and stuff like that. And Elric was such a fascinating character for me that I had a hard time yeah. not liking him because of the, you know, the, the, the drug. Oh, I, I love Elric. Elric, yeah. Elric is my go to. Yeah, uh, I really fantasy enjoy dude. You mentioned grimdark literary stuff. Yeah. Are you talking Joe Abercrombie? Yeah, I would be definitely bringing him up. He's uh, he is he's probably the the author I've read, you know, in the last little while that sort of opened my eyes in a newer direction. I, like I absolutely love uh, his stuff. Yeah, I've read I've read all of his stuff, and it's yeah, it's fantastic. Like I think what really inspired me is is his his close his third person limited close narration mm -hmm. uh, third, third, his third person I don't know what I just said third person limited yes. narration so you're inside the character's head but you're still not it's not a first person I do this I do that um, and the closeness with which he, he wrote that with the character I don't I think most things I had been reading prior to that were especially in Sword and Sorcery you get a lot of omniscient uh, narrator, narrators and his work kind of told me that you can get really sort of close and personal with these characters. And I mean, I'm, I'm a, uh, a, I wouldn't say aspiring, but I, I write in my spare time and I've written stories and had a few published in weird book and Skelos. And so I'm honestly, my, my little side passion is to get better at doing that. And I would say his work sort of inspired, inspired me as far as getting closer to narrative and not just aping, you know, older, uh, sword and sorcery, sort of uh, narrations. Going back to Conan, who's doing the best job of yeah. writing Conan stories? Um, are, is there a particular book author that you would recommend as capturing Conan? So beyond the best uh, pastiche writers. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and also so, Conan is becoming huge in comic books now too. Yeah, yeah now that Marvel's got it. Yeah, interestingly, when, uh, when I say pastiche Conan stories, 
I typically mean, I don't just mean a novel or a short story. I would mean comics. Uh, I would even mean the movies and things like that. For me, anything that's not Howard is a, mm-hmm. is a pastiche story, right? Right. No, that's, that's and right. So um, over the years, uh, the stuff Dark Horse, I, I think honestly the best Conan comics that I've ever read were the ones by Timothy Truman uh, when, when he was writing. Uh, he love, did a series of King Conan, Conan for Dark Horse. Have you read those? I haven't read them, but I remember them. I'm a big Truman fan. I was one of my favorite comic books of all time is his Scout comic from the uh, from the late '80s and early '90s. Uh, met him a couple of times at yeah, cons. Exactly. He's a very cool guy. Yeah, he's a great guy. Um, I haven't met him, but I've had some limited correspondence. Um, but he he clearly gets Conan. Now, of course, I've just cited ones where he's adapted Howard, but he also wrote a bunch for Dark Horse on the Sumerian series. And then some of his King Conan stuff goes into pastiche territory as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's an author that really gets it. I would say, I, I actually am a pretty big fan of, uh, what Marvel has done so far with the barbarian relaunch. I like the first three issues. There's a lot of controversy out there. Marvel taking a lot of, um, flack from people. I feel like some people just really aren't giving things a chance. Yeah. That's one do, of the do, worst. Do you agree? I, I agree. I think the fandom has become kind of toxic of late. Yeah. That they are about, not willing. About, about everything. I yes. Mean, really, just internet fandom yeah. and fandom in general has yeah. kind of become a bad place. That's right. And like I, 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 I'm careful when I talk about this because I mean, of course, fans of things are are what keeps everybody afloat, right? And you know, I, I'm I, I'm a fan too. When things are outright terrible. Mm-hmm. Like it's it hurts, right? Especially if it's a character you care about. So I sympathize, but I have to agree that like, and and I think it's maybe just because of social media. It's not necessarily that fans are any maybe any different, but we're seeing it all now. And as a for for a creator, like it's brutal. Like you're getting judged and dragged to the muck. Like everything you do is getting. You know, it's under a microscope and, and people also have a megaphone to to yell about it. Yeah, that's and so it right there. Yeah, it, it becomes it becomes exhausting to read. And it also is terrifying to me as like a creator too, right? Like when my name's attached to things, I know people are going to have their way uh, with it. And, you know, I've been fortunate. I've gotten a lot of good feedback on things. I, I just don't want to jump on the hate bandwagon. It's yeah. just it's not like I. I'm actually, <laughs> I'm done with Star Wars, not because of what Star Wars has done or what Disney has done, but because I can't dig into that fandom anymore. I just can't do it. That's an interesting take because I'm a huge Star Trek fan, and uh, so many people just hate the new Star Trek Discovery uh, series that's out on CBS All Access, and I'm the type of fan that's like, oh my gosh, Star Trek is back. Be it Conan, be it Star Wars, be it whatever. If I'm a fan of something and I'm finally getting something in front of my eyes that I hope gives me what I've been wanting, it's more Star Trek, more Conan, more Star Wars. Why hate it and degrade it before you've even seen it? Just love it. (laughs) Oh, I I am both. Go ahead. Sorry, Greg, you go ahead. No, I was going to say, I'm both a Star Wars and Star Trek fan. I live in a constant barrage of people hating on things, and I like (laughs) the new Star Wars movies. I like Discovery. Do I love them? Are they perfect? Absolutely not. But I would, I like to say, I would rather have bad Star Trek and bad Star Wars is better than most things are when they're good. 
That's true. So I'm I, I'm fine with it, and I just it's exhausting all the hate, and it's it's yeah. difficult but possible to find people on the internet that are not haters on things. And you know, it's nice that Conan maybe is a smaller community, and maybe the the hate is is less toxic. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, kind of. It kind of depends where you are. Like, people are absolutely losing their minds that Conan is joining the Avengers in a in a sort of like a side quest book, or, or you know, like a it's a spinoff book. It's not. It's not that Conan is now suddenly everything about him is he's in the Marvel universe. It's it's a for fun comic, mm-hmm. right? And these have happened before. When, even when he was in Marvel, yes. and I totally get that's not your cup of tea, and you don't want to see that. I don't even particularly want to see that that much. Maybe I'll check it out. Maybe I won't. But it's not destroying the character, in my opinion. It's just it's just having fun with him. And I mean, Conan has been around since the 30s. He was incredibly popular in the 70s and 80s. And we have gotten a we have gotten some of the best Howard adaptations we're likely going to get in in comic form. Mm -hmm. And so if someone wants to try something else just for the sake of it, like give her. If, if your favorite band does an album that's a little different than their others and your band wants to do that, well, you know, listen to that album. And if you don't like it, you don't like it. Mind you, it's a little different with the creators of comic books is yeah. people licensing it and other writers coming in. But even still, I, I guess the sentiment is it doesn't destroy what was there because this part exists now. If it's no good, we'll move on. Yeah. You said the two words you said is, that was important that people I just think are losing sight of is for fun. Yeah, People exactly. just don't seem to be able to have fun with anything anymore. And yeah, that whole you've destroyed my childhood mentality. It's just just every everybody in the whole world needs to lighten up a little bit. And, and <laughs> yeah. I thought that sci-fi and fantasy and all that stuff was to get us away from the real world and to just enjoy things and let it wash over you. And yeah, Conan hanging out with the Avengers is dumb, but you know what? It's dumb fun. Exactly. And God, any of these people that are complaining about this, have them read a Marvel comic from the mid seventies and (laughs) they would be appalled at what happens in there and rail against it. But you know, they're all short-sighted. So on that same type of topic, uh, speaking of Conan, you know, you mentioned the movies. When the first movie came out, I was absolutely in love with it. The best thing I'd ever seen. And I would have to say that it's probably my, it's got to be my number one go-to movie. I could always watch that. And then the second one came out, and I was yeah. disappointed. But you know what? It was more Conan, and I was happy with that. And then the third yeah. one, or the reboot, if you want to call it that, came out. And I was like, hey, it's more Conan. I didn't really like it. And I was comparing it to the first ones, the Schwarzenegger ones, but I still enjoyed it. Do you think we're ever going to be able to get a good Conan movie again? Or is well, Conan going to be relegated to the uh, comic books and and gaming genre? Well, 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 well. It's hard to say. I mean, I have a thousand thoughts on these things. Um, and we only would, have a certain would, amount of time. <laughs> what's that? And, and we all have only a certain amount of time, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But um, I'll, I'll very quickly just rapid fire through my thoughts on the Conan movies. Love the first Conan film by John Milius. Probably my favorite movie of all time next to Alien. Um, I think... I think that movie is actually a lot more Howard than some people give it credit for, even mm-hmm. though the Conan of that movie is not Howard's Conan. The Destroyer. <laughs> I love The Destroyer. I think it's the most Dungeons & Dragons movie ever made. 
Um, and I think there's parts of there, like yeah. when he whips the dagger of that guy and says, enough talk. Like <laughs> yes. that's, that's the most Conan moment in any of the moments in any of those films, I think. You know, the guy's talking too much and Conan whips a dagger in him and gets the fight started. Perfect. Right. Um, so I, I like The Destroyer for, for all of its goofy fun. And, and that may have been the first Conan movie I saw. Like I was born in 82, like a month or so after the first Conan came out. So I'm a little younger. But then we have The uh, the Barbarian 2011 yeah. uh, with, with Jason Momoa. Uh, there are aspects of it that I like. I do think Momoa showed, like, I, th- I think he could have been a great Conan, and I think there was flashes of him being a great Conan. I feel like that movie overall is is not very uh, Howard-esque, but it is, it's, if you compare it as, like, to other sword and sorcery films, it's, it's not bad, right? Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I hear people say it's like, oh, yeah, it's the one that's truest to Howard, and I'm like, I uh-huh. don't agree with that. Somebody hasn't been reading their Howard then. Yeah, exactly. Um, even still. But there's another great example, right? Like when that came out, I was fairly supportive of it because I want it to do well. Though it had issues, I don't want to trash it and jam it into the dirt because that's not good for our favorite property, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it, but if to it get does. back to your question about do I think we will get one, I, I know that the people in charge – I mean I've had conversations with – the people who were in charge at cabinet, right? And who were trying to, they were trying to get that Amazon show off the ground, which seems to be somewhat defunct at the moment. Um, not that there's been anything official or I know anything official because I don't, but maybe we see that show, maybe we don't, but I know their attempt was to be, was to follow the Howard stories. And there was rumors that the pilot was going to be the Frost Giant's daughter. It's a pretty bold move to start with. Yeah. So do I think we will see it? I think we will see something close. But I would also say I don't want an explicitly Howard story. Uh, like I don't want a direct adaptation of something because I don't think it would work. I think aspects of it work. Um, but if you, you try to do that word for word, beat for beat, it is not going to work on screen. A la The Lord of the Rings. Exactly. And – like Lord of the Rings, you do little diver- – and, and most of the choices in Lord of the Rings, I agreed with the, the changes, right? Uh, yeah. As far as making it cinematic, The Hobbit, not so much. Uh, we won't go there. Uh, <laughs> That's another whole podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. Like I, I would like to see – I think someday we're going to see a Conan on screen and he's going to be saying things that are Conan. He's going to be acting in ways that are particularly Conan and we're all going to get goosebumps and we're all going to be happy. When? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there was even recently Arnold on social media, you know, sort of called out to people saying, I want to do the Conan movie. I don't know. Did you see that? Yes, I did. He's holding a copy of the uh, of the Conan comic book. And he's like, this is something I've always wanted to do. Let's make it happen. And it's a copy of King Conan. Yeah. And I mean, I as much as like I thought we were past that, as much as I thought my hopes were dead. You know, if that happens now, I will get on board and I will support it. And I almost feel like I almost feel like we we need that film to happen mm-hmm. to cleanse the palate. I think so. I think so. Conan is so or so Arnold and Conan are so entwined in our pop culture, right? Mm-hmm. That it almost feels like it needs to happen just to put an end to it. That's I don't a know. Very good point. It's yeah. a very good point. Nice. 
Um, so after talking with you the last uh, 46 minutes or so, I think Greg and I both know that you're probably of our ilk, much of a, uh, a geek, much like yeah. us. Yeah. Um, this is something that I didn't have prepared for you. It's something that even Greg doesn't know about. Uh -oh. And you mentioned something about rapid fire, you know, uh, answers and stuff like that. And I've got a little thing that I want to try out with you. It's a, it's a game that I've done with other people on my Geek and with Geekin' radio show to kind of get a feel of who Matt John is. And also, I'm going to have Greg uh, participate in this. I call it rapid-fire questions. And these are sure. one, you know, you just give a quick answer. It's, you know, one or the other. You can give a little bit of explanation, but it kind of kind of gives an, uh, our listeners a little idea of who you are. So, are you ready? Yeah, I'll, I'll try not to be uh, long-winded here. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll rapid-fire. Okay, here we go. Sci-fi or fantasy? Fantasy. Greg? Sci-fi. I'm fantasy. Okay, DC or Marvel? Mm, Uh-oh. <laughs> Personally, Marvel. <laughs> yeah, Marvel. This is a conflict of interest, uh, okay. uh, but I love Batman. Okay, well, see, for me, I'm not a huge comic book fan, so I don't care. <laughs> Iron Man's been uh, my I mean, favorite Marvel, comic since uh, I was a kid. All right, now here's one where uh, we may or may not continue this conversation. Star Trek or Star Wars? Uh, Star Wars. I I I, uh, I actually like I really love the original Trek the nineteen the sixties yeah yeah uh, Trek love and maybe it's sacrilegious but I liked the two Abrams movies I do too I do too. Uh, there was was there a third one I didn't see yes that. there was yes. yes oh you should the third one is the best of the three really really yeah well, I will watch most, that because I, I just love that world. original crew I love the dynamic and I uh, so yeah I, I like Trek but definitely was a Star Wars kid. All right, all right. Good enough, good enough. Okay, um, so then let's uh, kind of talk a little bit here then. Skywalker or Vader? <sighs> Technically, Vader well, is a Skywalker. Well, okay, come on, Greg. <laughs> yeah, but you're picking up action figures. Which one do you pick up? Uh, well, before the prequels occurred, I would have said Vader because he was really cool. But then Hayden Christensen came in and absolutely ruined the character for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I hate him now. Oh, uh, I'm sorry to look, hear that. Who's the whiny nerd now, right? I'm I'm such a hypocrite. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. No, I like. I've always liked Luke. And here's the biggest sacrilegious. I didn't think they destroyed him in the Last Jedi. I didn't I either. Was, I thought. I, I I think I can see the motivations there. I wasn't overly bothered by it. Not me either. Okay. Uh, moving on. Alien or Riddick? Oh my God. Alien. Alien is like... Yeah, I know. You already said what that. What the hell kind of question is that? <laughs> <laughs> you don't you know, just throw I, it out. I love as much as Conan is is the Alien franchise. Truly. Yeah. I love it. Love it. Okay, here we go. This one's going to probably break some, uh, some, some friendships here. Excalibur or Monty uh -oh. Python and the Holy Grail? How can you compare those two? <laughs> it's just a question, yeah. Greg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Excalibur's super rad movie, and if I had to pluck one out of existence so that the other one could stand, I would keep Excalibur and pluck out Monty Python. I like Monty Python. I really do. It's fun. I'm not as in love and wanting yeah. to quote it as, as some others. You should see Greg over yeah, here. That's a tough one. Greg is like seriously thinking. His brow is <laughs> furrowed. <laughs> well, I, the, the strange coincidence about this is, is I just yesterday afternoon posted an Excalibur YouTube clip 
mm-hmm. to reply to somebody on something. So it's not like Excalibur, some you know weird thing out of the ether. Uh, I, I've actually been thinking about Excalibur a lot, and I pulled my DVD of Excalibur out of the shelf last night to watch it again. So I'm thinking so, you're more of an Excalibur. But guy. if if uh, if we were doing the pop culture eraser, which is another uh, podcast I listen to yeah. where they say take two properties. You know, which one could you live without uh, in the world? I would erase Excalibur, I hate to say, before I would erase wow. Monty Python because I think Python reaches into the pop culture. And, you know, I, I refer to it a lot more than I refer to Excalibur. Hmm. But if I were going to sit on and watch one again, I'd probably watch Excalibur. Wow. All right. That's fair. I, I got to say, too, uh, interestingly, the last podcast we recorded with DM Scotty, I think he mentioned that Excalibur was his favorite sort of sword movie. Yes. Um, so that that was just recent, and they were like, "Oh, it's on Amazon Prime now. Go watch it." Checked on my crappy Canadian Amazon Prime, and it was not there. <laughs> so that's that's why I, I should have watched it recently, but I haven't. Well, uh, hey, you get Star Trek Discovery for free on Netflix, and Americans don't. Yeah, yeah we got to pay for that. Oh, yeah. What's up now? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, <laughs> moving on here. Um, a full snapshot of an alien or of Bigfoot. A full snapshot of an alien or Bigfoot. Yeah, yeah. Photographic, uh, I'm going photographic proof. I want an alien because Bigfoot, my mind can imagine an alien. Who the hell knows what that is? So yeah, I'd rather go. see that. Totally. Yeah. Uh, go forward in time or backwards in time? Ooh, that's a tough one. Backwards. I would have to say backwards for me. I'm kind of I afraid you, of the I'm future. Dark-minded. Yeah, I'm the afraid. future is going to be bad, so yeah. I'm going back. Uh, yeah, I probably would too. Yeah. Okay, um, let's see here. Stark or Lannister? Stark. Greg? You're going to shoot me? <laughs> I have, I'm not watching Game of Thrones. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> He's not watched Game of Thrones. I just... Uh, somebody Leave just, the room. I know. I just Somebody <laughs> just gave me... Uh, I got uh, season one for Valentine's Day, right. so I'm going to try to start binging it. Sorry, I got, I got to clarify because I don't want to seem lame. Okay. Um, Starks, as far as... Me um, having an affinity with them, I, I would consider myself closer to a Stark. But as far as interesting characters to read and to watch, the Lannisters for sure. I am 100% with you on that. 100% with you on that. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter? Oh, my God. I got no time for Harry Potter. <laughs> I, it's, it is for children. I'll say it right now. If you love it, it's okay if you're an adult. But yeah. it's for it's for kids it's for the kids i teach english to and that is fantastic because it gets them to read but my god <laughs> grow up and read lord of the rings <laughs> there you go i'm gonna be destroyed for that and uh, i apologize i'm, I'm kind I'm, I'm mostly joking but yeah i know i i am a little bit like when i have adults saying like oh my god the fifth harry potter books you read five of those what <laughs> yeah, that would be my wife yeah okay uh sword yeah. or bow and arrow Ooh. uh sword I'm an archer. I got to go bow and arrow. I would go bow and arrow. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, as far as like, but if I'm playing an RPG, uh, I'm going for the guy with the sword in real life. I'd probably rather pew pew people from a distance because, <laughs> you know, I don't yeah. really want to get there's, jabbed in the guts with a broadsword. There's but. no right or wrong answers to these. It's all what you want. It's all what you I'm want. Still going with the sword. Okay. Um, now we're going to kind of get into uh, pop culture movies a little bit here. Uh, Mad Max, Gibson or Hardy? Uh, Gibson. 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 All right. There we go. James Bond, Connery or Craig? Uh, hmm. 
I'm, I'm going to be the young guy in the room. It's, I'm, I'm going to say Craig. Just be, like I've watched older Bond. I didn't grow up on them, like loving them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Connery bit is he's very iconic. But Craig, when, when I saw Casino Royale blew my mind. Yes. Uh, I just thought that was a super rad movie. Yeah. Um, I actually think, interestingly, Daniel Craig could have made a good Conan if you made him seem taller. Like, yes. look at his eyes and picture a, a, a black mm. wig coming down there, mm-hmm. the long black hair. With his, like, he's got the eyes. Anyways. Yeah. It's hard yeah. to picture him with any hair. So that's, that's, <laughs> he's got such short hair, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, and you? Connery all the way. Connery all the way. I'm a Craig guy. I mean, I love Connery, but Craig just, man, he just took it and ran with it, I thought. Okay, so maybe one or two more here. Theatrical release or director's cut? Oh, that's a good question. I I suppose that depends. Um, I'm going to go with theatrical just because I feel like I, I am a film fan in the sense that pacing is really important to me. And I think things end up on the cutting room floor for a reason. So I would say as far as a film being a quality film, the theatrical cut is is better. Like Lord of the Rings before the extended editions, they're stronger films, I would argue. Um, but the nerd bits are really cool. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm just going to have to say uh, I'm going to have to say theatrical for the for the record. Greg. Uh, oh, director's cut. I want it all. Yeah, same I here. Want, I, want I want it all. Stuff. I'm one of those, you know, all collector type things. You know, just got to have it all. Oh, yeah. Got to have it all. Okay, and probably the most important question. Pirates or ninjas? (laughs) And I know that your fellow podcaster would (laughs) definitely pick pirate. (laughs) He wouldn't pick monks. That's true. (laughs) I I can't wait till Logan hears this and knows that I snuck monks into this. Uh, (laughs) I would go ninjas, man. Ninjas. I'm a child of the 80s. The ninjas are so cool. Uh, uh, probably more of a pirate guy. I'm a pirate guy, and uh, I think it's Logan who is an anti-monk guy, right? On yeah. your podcast, yeah. Rogues in the House. Yeah, I'm right there with him. I'm right there with him. I'm a child of the <laughs> '80s, and you know, monks and ninjas were like everywhere. And when the ninjas came out in uh, AD and D with the whole Oriental Adventures, I was like, no, this will not happen in my game. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, so that's fair. That's yeah. Fair. All right. Well, uh, uh, Matt, thank you very much for joining us here on our opportunity attack. Um, how can people find you on the web or get in touch with you? Or, I mean, you know, promote yourself. Here's your chance to promote yourself for the rogues in the house and the Conan gaming group and anything else. you might Okay. Want well, um, Matt John, also known as my real name is Matt Sullivan. Um, I'm Matt John on Facebook. Uh, it's easy to get in touch with me on the Conan Gaming Group. I do not have a dedicated website or anything yet. I felt a little pretentious about that, but I'm getting to the point now where I almost feel like such a thing might be a good idea or a blog. Um, I'm on Goodreads. I am one of the three rogues in the house. So you can reach us by Googling Rogues in the House podcast, and that will link you to just about... Uh, any platform you want to listen to it in. Um, we have a Rogues in the House podcast page, uh, which we love people to drop by and uh, and get in touch with us there. Um, you can see me on any uh, Kickstarter section for a monolith game. I'm the guy answering questions. And also I've got uh, just coming out 
real soon for retail release and physical copy is the Conan Monolith Sourcebook, uh, on which I was the lead writer. So that is available. Um, if you have a Conan King pledge and you always thought, hey, man, I want to play this game solo or cooperatively. Well, guess what? I wrote a little system for it, and it is in that book with a uh, with a campaign. So if that's up your alley, check that out. I've got to get a copy um, of Beyond that. that, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's cool. People seem to really want it. I hope it lives up to the uh, – for, for some, for a small pocket of people, it's pretty large hype, uh, which makes me nervous because, well, hype is nerve-wracking. But um, I'm sure it will fly right under the radar for a lot of people too. So that's essentially me um, in short. I am, I am trying to become a, a writer. Uh, I'm thinking of a novel someday. For now, I've just been writing some short stories in Weird Book 36, Weird Book 40, and you can find me in Skelos Issue 1 as well. So that's, uh, that's, that's me plugging uh, All right. my, own, my own self. Well, I hope that uh, I see you at Gen Con 2019. Will you be there? Yeah, hard to say. I don't know if I'm there yet or not. But okay. And I certainly, so, we'll five. I certainly hope that uh, there's a presence, a Conan presence in the gaming uh, events this year at, at Gen Con. There hasn't been in the last couple of years, but uh, I'd like to maybe, maybe I need to pick up. I think you need to do that. I need to pick up that sword and lead that charge. There you maybe go. Yeah, I when I was there, some people were, they were definitely asking for it. Um, and on that front, uh, I will say that I can't confirm anything uh, as a for sure, but I will say that we are uh, at Monolith. We are in a good relationship with Cabinet Entertainment, and we have every intention of plowing forward with something for Conan in 2020. And I am personally already writing notes and doing a few things. So again, that is not a official confirmation, but it is a uh, perhaps a wink in the direction of anyone who's interested. And for those who don't know, Cabinet is the owners of the uh, Howard copyright, essentially. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. Nice. So, all right. Well, uh, Matt, thank you very much for joining us on the Grognards here. I really want to thank you. It's been a fascinating hour of talking with you and finding out more about uh, the Conan genre in gaming and just in general. Yeah, so. thank you very much. And uh, Greg, it's a great time, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you, and I do hope to see you uh, in person in the future. And if not, we'll be talking online. I'm sure. Sounds great. All right, so Greg, take us out. Yeah, uh, if you got any comments on this, or you uh, got any more questions, you can look for us on Facebook at the Grognards. Uh, on Twitter, we are at T Grognards. On uh, the almost never used Instagram, we are the underscore Grognards. And our uh, regular everyday email is gamers at thegrognards.com. And for the Grognards, I'm Dean Geiken. And I'm Greg Ziegler. Game on.